Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. On the show, I try to highlight unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box during these highly unusual times. Over the years, many people have asked me whether they should seek their fortune, as it were, outside of the country they grew up in. And that's why today's episode is our expat special with my guest, Victoria Breckhoven. Because when we are thinking outside the box, we have to be open to all possibilities, including entirely different living situations. Victoria is an American-born European Union public affairs and communications expert who has been living in Brussels, Belgium for over 12 years, and she's a good, good friend of mine. We go way back. Perhaps the events of the last few years have you wondering whether moving to another country is advisable or even possible, and whether or not doing so would be career suicide. We cover a lot of the nitty-gritty details of choosing to live your life in another country, and Victoria is a great example of someone who has risen to success in a different culture, learning new languages along the way. She's elevated herself to the heart of EU affairs and public policy, and she's living proof that you can make it in a foreign country if you're tenacious and persistent. So with that, today's guest, Victoria Breckhoven. I'm here <laughs> with Victoria Breckhoven. Okay, whoever, somebody named Victoria is joining me now on the podcast. Victoria, thanks for being here. So glad to have you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. It's my first podcast, so that's an exciting milestone in my life. Well, that's good. Hopefully it'll be your last. I don't think your life's getting any more interesting. (laughs) And we're off to a great start, folks. Now, I'd like to remind everybody listening that this show's purpose is to both educate and to entertain. So, you know, the podcast pace is pretty tough these days, Vic. So we got to we got to amp okay. up the energy. Up, up the game. Okay. Any jokes, okay. you know, channel Robin Williams. That's the goal today. Robin Williams, 50 jokes per minute. Okay. Our JPM has okay. to rise. Okay. So okay. I'd like you to, if you wouldn't mind, give an overview. What do you currently do as best as you can? Where are you? Just give us the paragraph introduction. Okay, yeah, the, the, the who am I in, in a couple of sentences. So I am uh, living in Belgium right now. I'm originally from Connecticut. Uh, I've been in Belgium for 12 years. Um, and I work in, uh, in EU public affairs. Um, and I am, uh, what else do you want to know? Um, married to a German. Um, those are my highlights. <laughs> Feel free to dig in anywhere you'd like to. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, one of the big reasons that I wanted to have you on is because we're doing, you know, and I need to put effects on my voice when I say this. We're doing an expat show, show, show. Okay, I don't know if we can do that later. We're going to have to put something in there. An expat show. Because for whatever reason, we have a lot of people in this country, this country being the United States of America, a lot of people that talk about or think about leaving the country. Some might say (laughs) fleeing the country. Any idea at all why that thought might cross a warm-blooded American's mind? It could have been related to our our still current but becoming former leader, commander-in-chief. So I don't know if maybe the the decent election results has (laughs) made anyone change their mind. I don't know. I think I think he's done a spectacular job, and I will I will fight anybody who says otherwise. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have something lodged in my throat. Um, all right. So for whatever reason, from time to time, Americans feel the need to leave the country. Um, many talk about it. Few do it. So how did you end up outside the country? Where did you get the idea that hey, maybe I could live somewhere else in Europe? So initially, when I was 17, I really wanted to learn another language. So I decided to move to Slovakia uh, in order to learn Slovak because also I really wanted to learn a language that I said, I'll never learn this. I'll never be able to learn this in a classroom. So nothing mainstream. So I moved to Slovakia and I was studying music at the time. And uh, I lived there for a year and I loved it. Uh, that was kind of my first like taste of the abroad life of like everything being different from you, what you grew up with and what's normal for you, basically. Uh, so I loved it. And then um, I was there in 2003 and 2004 when Slovakia joined the EU. 
So then I started to become quite interested in the EU in general. And then that led me to choose a study abroad program when I was in university uh, or college that was uh, in the Netherlands um, that also had a good kind of European studies program. And then uh, everything kind of ran away from there. So that was the first steps, basically. And then, uh, then after that, after I studied abroad in Maastricht um, in the Netherlands, then I went back again to do my master's after I graduated at the same university because I loved Maastricht so much. Um, and then uh, after that, I just moved to Belgium because it's uh, uh, the next logical step for a European affairs graduate. And I never left. Okay. Um, and for those listening, we actually, I know her, I know you from the yes. same, the very same program. That was how I ended up in Europe was the the Maastricht, the famous Maastricht study abroad program of whatever year that was, 2007, I guess. So, and you just stayed. <laughs> and, and to a degree, we both just stayed. I ended up staying for, I think, eight years and you have stayed entirely. And 12. both of us, you know, my, my wife is Dutch, so both of us ended up with European partners, which is a huge part of the expat game. So before we go on to the whole the whole career stuff, I'd like to point out that uh, I do know the best tongue twister in Slovak. Oh my god, do you still <laughs> I know, remember I, it? Oh, I still remember, yeah. Or rather, it's a tongue twister that has no vowels, which is unique to the Slovak language, and that is Sturchperst Skurskirk. <laughs> which <Yes>. um <laughs> it's something i don't know it's not the polish one it means like the road that is doesn't rain is dry what does it mean stick your finger down your throat ah <laughs> 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 oh, those slovaks they continue to delight Obviously. wonderful Obviously. um okay so you stayed you just stayed you finished your school and then you stayed now i yeah. you know so to provide a little bit of context before we jump in so to go from this thought of maybe one day I'll go over to another country, and now I would say that you have a very successful career. Um, you know, you're in the heart of European decision making. And so, what what do you? What's your official job title now? So my official job title is EU Government Affairs Lead. Okay, and can you shed some light on what that is? Yes, definitely. So that's, we have a lot of fancy jargon over here. Uh, so I am a lobbyist. Uh, we also call it public affairs, uh, government affairs, government relations. Uh, all of these terms refer to the same thing, um, which is basically kind of providing a bit that interface between the perspectives of a company or many companies uh, to EU decision makers to explain the impact of policies and share positions and uh, contribute to public consultations and, and things like that. Okay. So, and I've been now uh, for one year, uh, exactly, in fact. So I started in, uh, in December of last year uh, for a pharmaceutical company called Nova Nordisk. Okay. And before that, I was for... 11 years in a consultancy where I was working for a lot of different clients, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds oh my goodness. in all, in all sorts of, uh, of like everything from like railroads to, uh, food to everything you can possibly think of energy, yeah. um, NGOs, animal, right. Animal welfare, NGOs, wow. everything you can think of. That is crazy. So was this, um, was this a conscious plan or was this like so many expats you just sort of wound up here uh, or did you always want to do that? So I, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, yeah, I, 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 I think public affairs suits me very well in terms of my personality and skills. I'm, I tend to be a generalist. So somebody who I, I know now the EU decision-making process and on issues, I'm uh, obviously not as much of an expert as, uh, as my colleagues are. Um, but I think the, the, the profession suits me quite well. Um, when I originally came, I was just looking for an internship in, uh, in Brussels, like anything that would be, uh, you know, in, in uh, EU affairs, basically. Right. And uh, I guess it was also kind of by chance that I wound up at this consultancy, but, uh, but really loved it and just stayed for a while. I guess that happens to a lot of people. Yes, that does happen to a lot of people. I wonder why. <laughs> so what about it? What about it did you love? What, what about it made you say, hmm, maybe there's something to it? To life over here. Um, and socialist uh, hell. Yeah, so, 
<laughs> well, I, what I really like is that basically I find the quality of life really high. Yeah. So, you know, we on a very modest, uh, you know, income, I feel that we live a very, very like happy life where, you know, in previous times we could go out to dinner. Um, but, yeah. you know, like we could just, you know, live, live a really, really nice life without, you know, being super rich. So yep. um, I think the quality of life is really, really high. And I also personally like the fact that a lot of things are taken care of, like the health insurance, like all of these things that I think in the US are not uh, not a given. Yes. Um, so, and then last thing that I really, really like, no, last two things. Number one is the food. Yeah. Um, although the food in the US is also amazing, uh, but it's just really, really good over here. And then I would also say walking. So I always, yeah. I come from a small town in the US and there's no sidewalks. <laughs> you have to drive everywhere you go, right? The yeah. store is a 40 minute drive. And here I walk everywhere. And that for me is actually a big quality of life improvement. Yeah. And you walk and bike. That's true. And I think, you yeah. know, for those I'm listening there. who have never experienced it, I think Europe has gotten more expensive. But when I was there, it was so cheap. Like the amount of money that we needed to live was shocking. Like my, yeah. my girlfriend, my now yeah. wife, but my girlfriend at the time, we got an apartment across from the train station on the fifth floor in the heart of Eindhoven, the ideal apartment location with a huge balcony. And our total rent, including utilities, was 700 euros a month. So I got a yeah. job teaching English part-time, four hours a day, and not even every week. It was maybe two weeks out of a month or two and a half, three max. And on that salary, I, you know, I would watch my bank account go to zero every single month, but everything was so predictable. There were no shocks. There was no tax. Yeah. So I, I, I drank plenty of beer. I went to plenty of restaurants. I did everything that you'd want to do as a 20-something as a person. And that was just the way life was. Now it's like here yeah. in L.A., you know, even 10 times that amount won't get you to that same level of easy comfort where... You're just not concerned about what's going to happen in your life, which is just truly mind-boggling. Yes. The difference is, yes, is we went enormous. to the grocery store with, yeah, we went to the grocery store in the U.S. with my husband, and yeah. we bought like groceries for dinner that night, and like fifty bucks, <laughs> sixty bucks, hundred bucks, <laughs> like a hundred dollars. Yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> what? Let's get some creme fresh, like some organic vegetables. <laughs> oh, that shouldn't be too much. Just a little pasta for two. <laughs> $98 and a bar of chocolate for $7 or whatever, you know, six pack yeah. of beer, 15, 20. And, and, you know, for comparison, at the time when, when we were there studying, you could get a crate of 24 bottles of beer for three euros and 17 cents. And I'm pretty sure you got a portion of that back when you returned the bottles which is also super smart from a recycling. Instead of just melting down and recreating these bottles every time, you take the same plastic crate of the same glass bottles, you return them when they're empty, they give you money back, they clean and refill these bottles, saving God knows how much energy in the process. And the result is that you could, if you want, bad for alcoholics, you could drink for free, essentially. But that's just sort of life in Europe. Everything that matters is free. Great food is so cheap. <laughs> Restaurants are so cheap. Healthcare, free. Uh, dentistry, free. All of it is free. Public college, transportation, free. college, free. Right. So you have no yeah. money, so you're earning way less than your American counterpart, and the jobs pay way less, but the amount of money that you need is nothing. Exactly. That is That's exactly shocking. it. And like, this is, yeah. yeah, this is the quality of life thing that, like, I don't yeah. need to have, I don't need to be super rich because what we need is covered, actually. Yeah. And, um, that's and then nice. also proximity-wise, you know, you take a two-hour flight and you're in Spain. <laughs> right. <laughs> or And it's a cheap flight, thanks to Ryanair and the yeah. various... Well, at least it used to be. Who knows how it's all going to be shaken up now, but it was True. a cheap flight. I, yeah, I think it's still... I mean, I don't know. I haven't tried it's to It's even cheaper. It's, it's like now, 20 euros to fly I, to Spain, 30 euros. Like they'll pay Nothing you to get on the flight. at all. <laughs> yeah, they'll pay you to get on the yeah. flight. Oh, man. <laughs> Please. Fly. So, so you know, yeah, but this is definitely for me the thing. Mm -hmm. This is the yeah, I, I completely understand. And anybody who's spent more than a minute in Brussels would, I think, with all the resto frites snacks and 
<laughs> the rest of waffles, chocolate, yes. fries, and Belgium has the best beers oh, in the whole world. Um, that's just undeniable. Yes. I will, I will challenge anybody on that particular point. So, okay, at what point you started with Slovak, which I'm sure is highly in demand in Brussels right now as your first language. Um, how many languages do you speak now? So, uh, well, English, excellent. That's uh, debatable. Slovak, French. I'm just kidding. <laughs> French, um, German, uh, speak with my husband's family. Yeah. Um, and then, so I studied Italian for years. Right. But I must admit, now I feel it fading because I don't practice it. So I yeah. hesitate to add that. I think, you know, if you locked me in a room with some Italians for a weekend, I would probably be fine and walk out feeling more confident about it. But at the yeah. moment, I'm a little, meh. so let's say four. Okay, four that you and you really speak them. I mean, obviously you're really good. So, how often do you need yes. those languages yes. on a day to day basis for your work? So, unfortunately, Slovak never. <laughs> but I have just some Slovak fun. friends, so I am okay. I am <laughs> just for fun. It brings me such joy to speak it because it just brings me back to that like seventeen year old yeah. moment of. Like, exploring the world which yeah. is unforgettable so i love slovak and i yeah. call my friends and i speak to them and i refuse to forget it mm -hmm. um but i don't need it at all uh french yeah you definitely need french mm -hmm. so uh all of the administration i spent the day on the phone with like insurance to try to figure out all these things everything was in french mm -hmm. um and then for work um it's i would say english plus in the sense that you are having Again, in normal times, not COVID, conversations with people from a lot of different countries. So if you can speak their language, the German politician, for mm -hmm. example, then that's obviously a, a plus, but it's not needed. I would say mm -hmm. English is really actually the working language in uh, English and French. In, in Interesting. I knew that it was, you know, in, in a lot of other countries, but I didn't know. I, I assumed that French would be your day to day at this point. Mm. Because also, even though Brussels is a French-speaking city, uh, Belgium is also a three-language country. So for Belgium, it's German, French, and Flemish. And so there's also a lot of like complexity there, and a lot of cafes will speak English as well because mm -hmm. they want to cater to both the Flemish and the French customers. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no, I would say so. Eng English is, yeah, quite often. And then, of course, we have a group of, of international friends as well that English is the, is the main language. But, uh, but French, I, you definitely need. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. speak it as well when I got here, so it wasn't essential that, it, that, it, that you have it before you come. But, uh, right. That's what I was going to ask. How important is it for people who maybe want to move to know another language? Depends on the country. In Belgium, okay. not that important. I have friends who still don't speak French, and it's fine. Wow. Uh, but I would say, like, I don't know, in Spain, for example, then I think it's, or in Italy, then I think it gets very, very important, especially if you need to be dealing with administration and this kind of stuff, then mm -hmm. I think it's essential. Yeah. So it kind of depends on the country. But I wouldn't and, let that hold you back. I'd try it. Yeah, sure. And obviously the best, the best English-speaking countries are the Scandinavian countries, like Sweden, Denmark. I mean, they're That's, unbelievable. The Swedish are near-native it's yes. incredible. You know, so I say, they say, excuse me, can you tell me how to get to my hostel? And they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, my English isn't super great. Which hostel are you trying to get to? <laughs> and then somebody else will join and they're like, oh, are you having difficulty finding your hostel? Let's see if we can't join forces and help you out. And you're like, uh, yeah, your English is really terrible. Um, it's but, perfect. No. So, okay, okay, you know, but the other the other thing is, so if, if somebody's like, I, I want to do this, I'm convinced that I want to live in a foreign country, they don't know a language, which, of course, I didn't. I didn't know Dutch when I went over there. I do now, but sure. I didn't at that time. So if they don't know that language, um, there is, of course, the matter of actual immigration, which is kind yeah. of a bitch, right? I mean, that's it's not easy to go just plant your flag somewhere else and say, I'm going to no. live here because there are enormous systems in place to prevent you from doing that. So how did you end up navigating that part of things? Yeah, this is a really good question because basically I think what you have to do is find uh, like a study. For me, it was the, um, the study program 
basically that there was a special internship visa that you mm. could get if you were still enrolled in a university. So I basically got that. And then that helped me to get the internship, which then helped me to get the job, basically. But because it is more expensive for an employer, at least in Belgium, I don't know about other countries, it is more expensive in Belgium for you to be hired as a U.S. citizen than it is for them to hire a EU citizen. Is it because they have um, to sort of prove that they exhausted all possible local candidates before they can hire you? Technically, <laughs> yes. one of those things, yeah. Exactly. And then they have to like write a letter to say why you are the only one who can perform this job and a European yes. citizen can't do it. And right. then they have to pay all the visa fees and then they have to. So it's an uh, administrative hassle. It's super costly. And most companies probably won't do it because, to be honest, they can find a European candidate. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, if you're young enough watching this podcast to enter a study program and be able to get some, some kind of uh, internship visa, that's great. Yeah, that's great. There's also. Yeah, I would check also because I have friends. I know that there's a there's a, a bet, like very um, beneficial visa program in the Netherlands, for example. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know about that. That's um, for for expats that want to come. You get like a three year visa for free, for example, What? or something. Yeah, they didn't, there's they a, didn't have that when when I was there. We were I I would have loved that. that been yeah, I have so friends who went over who went that's over last year on this visa. Yeah, that's got to be I new. Can, Because I, I think my, my first info. visa was a semester, you know, it was like you have one semester yeah. and then it was like extended to one year at great difficulty. But getting over that one year hump was, yeah. you know, borderline impossible because we weren't married yeah. at that time. But like it's it's one of those things. I mean, there's an expression that they have uh, in Dutch, which I'm, I'm butchering, but it's like being, you know, thrown from the, the dresser to the wall or something like that. But it means like each each department is telling you conflicting information. That's a huge problem over there. Like. So it's like you go to the bank and you say, hey, I need to set up a bank account because they want to know that I have a bank account. And the bank will say, "Okay, great. Just show us your citizenship papers. And then you go to the citizenship right. office and you're like, "Okay, can I like register for the next step? They're like, yeah, sure. Just give us your local bank account. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I see. So this is impossible. <laughs> okay. And they say it with such authority that you, you believe that there's got to be a loophole. But, you know, of course, a lot of people that you find, they end up, you know, in some sort of funny situation where somebody fudges a document. I mean, there's just so much weirdness, or at least there was so much weirdness about how it actually went down. And for a lot of the people that yeah. I knew, um, or you have to find somebody to employ. Yeah. Like you said, but it's, it's, it's hard for an employer to vouch for you. It's not like an easy yeah. thing. They need to like say, Oh, we are guaranteeing this many work hours and contract and all that yeah. stuff. So It's, um, it's going from hassle. like one to five was a lot of work for me. Yes. Yeah. Same. But then now, so I, did you get the Dutch citizenship? Uh, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to comment on that on the air. <laughs> okay. Next question. Uh, so I, well, no, because I got, I got the Belgian citizenship after, okay. um, yeah, however many. I'm not sure about years. how America legally feels about uh, dual citizens. No, it's okay. For the U.S., it's okay. Okay. I thought the U.S. said if you ever even US? thought about supporting another country, you're automatically a traitor. And... No, no, no. That's, there's a few other countries like that, like Germany, for example. So right. my husband cannot, and I cannot get German citizenship. Those right. are, that's a country where you have to pick. And this can always yeah. change. You know? The administration can always change it. Yeah. So let's hope they don't. But for the moment, yes. if you're a U.S. citizen, it's totally fine to have dual citizenship. If you're a life partner or whatever. I mean, that, there are conditions, right? Or if it's your kids. Or no, something like that. I just have Belgian citizenship and it's just me. Okay. So it wasn't at all. I guess that's true. You, you started this way before. So, oh, okay. So it wasn't yeah. relationship-based. Yeah. It's not related to my marriage at all. No. Nope. Okay. And, um, it was purely work, and which, it is, was which is really cool. That's great to know Yeah. for people out there. Like, that. okay, you don't need – because that's always been the sort of traditional thing. It's like, oh, I'm just going to hitch, hitch my wagon to a SO. Now, in Belgium, you just need to um, – well, there's different routes, but the easiest one is you just need to be employed continuously for five years. So if you come over here and you work continuously for five years, then with some paperwork, you can also apply for citizenship. Okay. So now did you have to quite um, go through any indoctrination programs, any sort of cultural no. programs? See, I feel <laughs> no. like Belgium is so much more relaxed than the Netherlands in this. Because <laughs> in the Netherlands, no. you have to go through this thing that they call inbergering, which is like a, a citizenship program which is the most ridiculous thing ever. 
I think it's after five years you have to go through this this program where you have to answer questions, but it's it's a it's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. It's so pathetic. Okay. And, and, and like the actual test has multiple choice questions and it doesn't make any sense. Like they're multiple choice questions that don't really have a clear answer. And they all presume that you're going to be working in some sort of like lowly job as either a server or a car mechanic. <laughs> so, and, you know, it's, it's, like what? What I don't want to dis- I don't want to like? disparage it too much. But, you know, they say it's your neighbor's birthday. What do you do? Do you a get them a card? Do you B, do nothing? Do you C, get them a gift? <laughs> I mean, it this is like, like an official exam cultural, question. But also personal choice. <laughs> uh, well, is it? You know, I still don't know the answer to these questions because you just write an answer. And then, you know, you never get a response as whether something is correct or not. But the other thing is, you know, you are serving coffee to somebody and they appear to be praying at the table. Do you, A, set the coffee gently next to them, quietly? Do you, B, interrupt them while they're praying and, you know, snap them out of it? Or do you, C, wait until they're done and then bring the coffee? These are real questions, legitimate, real, on-the-test questions. It it appears to me that these questions are less cultural and more about, like, how to be a human. Yes, it is in a way that is probably fairly racist or racially insensitive. It's going so, it's trying so far to not be racist that it's almost yeah. borderline. Yeah, right. You know, it's like the opposite yeah. effect where it's like we have a random person, let's say oh, I don't know, Ahmed is, you know, it's like all the random <laughs> people just happen to have you know these like arabic names. So, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty hilarious. Um but I think there was a certain point you know you, you go to these these classes every week for an extended period of time and it's just so basic and at that point you know my dutch was was really good so it was much better than the people in the room at that point and so you're going to these lessons and they're like okay you have three more months until you're ready to take the test and i said just sign me up for the test (laughs) let me just give it a go three months i was like i'll i'll take my chances you know when i was 10 years old i I passed the Anna Karenina book test on the computer just by guessing. I was like, I think I'll be able to figure this one out. Um, so anyways. But but actually, so so for me, for my process, I didn't have to do that because I had the five years of continuous employment. Right. And I have another U.S. friend who is here who applied um, and got the citizenship, and he did not have the continuous employment. So okay. he had to do a similar test, actually. And he had told me also okay. the questions were like, Questions were like maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less obvious, like but still very similar in the sense of saying that he, the one he told me was, um, is it customary in Flanders, which is a part of Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, for mothers to spank their children? Oh, ooh. That's <laughs> I don't ob- know. Obviously, yes. <laughs> you don't know. No, it's got to be no. Of course, they can't encourage violence on a national test. But it doesn't say it's not encouraging. It's just saying, is it common? Well, that Does but by saying yes, that's it's common. That's a judgment on whether or not it's right or wrong. That's encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> it is customary to beat your child here, in case you didn't know. Um, so that's why they're so know. well behaved. Okay, so <laughs> but I never had to take it, and never, he never got well, clarity good. on the actual answers. So, so what we'll is it know. like now? I mean, you, you shared some of the stories of living in Brussels. It's obviously a hot spot now. This is pre-COVID. That what I we haven't really talked yes. a lot since this has happened. So I remember you telling stories of riots and, you know, because it's the EU hub, it's the center of everything. There's a lot of chaos going on in Brussels that people probably don't realize. There's a lot of, there's riots or people like dumping thousands of gallons of milk onto the streets, like dairy farmers unite and protest against XYZ. So what are some of the crazy stories of this time of working in government affairs? Yeah, I mean, so all of that, for for sure, it's true. Now, recently, because everybody's locked in their houses, I feel there haven't been as many protests, but on a normal (laughs) basis, it's all the time. And some good ones. So my former office had a really great location, which was uh, right across the street from one of these uh, federal buildings, basically, where a lot of people were apparently unhappy with the decisions coming out of that building. And so it's exactly that, like the dairy farmers are there spraying milk all over the building, or the firefighters came to protest once, and they were like, 
like spraying their fire hoses into the windows of the building, um, this kind of stuff. Um, really good, really good stuff to, yes. to watch. Um, but now it's all quiet on the Western marches. Front because now so it's all pretty quiet. Are people because, obeying yeah. the the mandates? Yeah, well, Belgium was hit pretty hard. I don't know why we had um, like I think we had one of the highest mortality rates in the world. Oh my god! Okay. Um, so it's a super small country, but so it was low hit relative very, very case hard. numbers, but high mortality rates. Yeah, or, I mean compared to the Maybe U.S. or both. whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sure. And um, so people are are obeying. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But we had basically total lockdown in the spring and now yep. again we're on lockdown again although they recently reopened stores okay so we had now for the past like i don't know 10 weeks we had everything closed so the only thing you could do was like the pharmacy and food shopping wow uh but everything else was closed and now the stores reopened like just before christmas okay. of um, course how convenient. of course um, but uh, but now also like over the holidays the the recommendation hasn't changed, which is that you're okay. only allowed to see one person outside of your living family or living the people that you live with. You're only allowed to see one person. So and are you able to do your job as as a lobbyist remotely? Has that been easy or? Okay. Yeah, just life has changed because it's changed okay. for everybody. So it's just well, everything's good. over Zoom. Everything's over Zoom these days. Uh, meetings, bilateral group, uh, everything. Uh, which, to be honest, for me, is not the end of the world. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be in your pajamas Just on the bottom every day. transitioning away. It's like, yeah, I got a nice shirt on, but don't ask me what's going on below the desk. <laughs> exactly. Yikes. Um, really nice so i i don't mind so much actually but i have other friends who are having a terrible time and just really miss yeah. like the physical daily sure. interactions but i don't sure yeah, that's <laughs> i think i mean in any case it's coming back right I, like if you told me this would be life permanently forever then yeah, yeah i would have a huge problem but yeah. for me actually the biggest negative for covid or the thing that is killing me is just not seeing my family actually mm. yeah. like because of, they're in the u.s obviously that's very so. hard for us worst part uh, yeah. I, the work thing that's fine i can deal with that mm -hmm. um but you but feel yeah, seeing your family comfortable only least. and i I'm, I'm assuming you know you're much more well taken and and there's a thing over there that they don't have at least they have it in in the netherlands permanent contracts is a concept that america does not have u.s presumably have a right. quote-unquote permanent contract right you don't have permanent contracts in the u.s <laughs> you're joking right we don't have permanent what? anything. Are you kidding me? That's how you can be fired immediately from anything <laughs> ever at any time in your life. That's outrageous. You know, and there's always the possibility no, yeah, of lawsuits as well. No, okay. So for those listening, a permanent contract is a very European. <laughs> how, how nice would this be, by the way? So after you've been doing a job for a certain amount of time, a couple years, perhaps, or in some places even a year no, or two. No, mine was directly. Okay, mine was directly some, permanent. So they have a choice. So they can only offer you so many temporary contracts by law, for at least in the Netherlands, they can only offer you so many temporary contracts before they are legally required to either get rid of you or offer you a permanent contract. Once you have a permanent contract, it is basically impossible to be fired or let go without some crazy list of stipulations where that end up with you getting paid for a lot of time and months and years. It's like very, year. very difficult yeah, to, to let go of somebody yes. who is on a permanent contract, uh, even with cause, even if you caught that person stealing. I mean, with cause is obviously different, but even with cause, it's not easy to fire somebody. There's hoops to jump through. Yeah. So, yes, that is one of the many safety nets that just simply do not exist in America. You could work at a job for 30 years yeah. in America, and they're like, see you later, pack up your shit, you have 15 minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, But what about, like, no. get out of here, security has already been called. Did you use up <laughs> one of your three vacation days this year? <laughs> because you don't get to keep those when you're fired. No, that's insane. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's permanent so contract, course, and I have like, a lot of friends in... 
in Brussels who got furloughed during yeah. COVID, but basically there's also government support so that you yeah. you basically have the same salary actually. So you're the same salary. I was gonna ask. So, so yeah. do most people have the same salary? Has anybody taken a reduction in salary who's still employed? Is that a thing or is it you're just getting your same salary for everybody? Yeah, I don't know anybody that th- that took a, f- a full time reduction. I know um, for some people that got furloughed, where they got the government money instead of their salary, yeah. uh, that maybe it was like you know fifty euros less or a hundred, like uh, something very very small, but almost the same amount of money basically. Um, but okay. that was only for a temporary period anyway. But no one, I don't know anybody who got like a permanent salary reduction. Wow. So mm-hmm. how have you guys been able to survive on a one time check of six hundred euros? For nine months. Oh, wait, never mind. That's just what the U.S. government is doing. Oh, sorry. Uh, you see, I thought it was totally normal to pay people $600 for nine months of joblessness. And I got that, too, by the way. Oh, well, that's, I got- that's wonderful. I can rest easy at night. I'm also receiving so- the stimulus check. <laughs> of course but- you are. <laughs> of course you are. But I will have you know. Money. But yeah. it's because I'm not legally employed in the U.S., but I donated them to charity, to uh, food banks. Well, that is wonderful. So, so you know, yeah, we, we're I touching on this stuff, obviously. I mean, you know, the, that is the part that is so nice about living in Europe. I mean, yes, Europe has its own share of issues, plenty of issues and, and problems, and nothing is perfect by any means, but so much more st- Less, so much less stress on a daily basis from those types of things. You're not worried about where your next paycheck is going to come from. You're not worried about being homeless. You're just not worried about all of these things. And I think that if you listen to the debate in America, the way that they talk about socialism as being this terrifying thing or the, this, this enemy, the worst possible fate for Americans would be to go anywhere near socialism. But of course, I think what people don't fully realize is that you get a lot of stuff in return. And for the vast majority of people, the stuff that they get far outweighs the stuff that they would quote unquote give up. You know, imagine like what American wouldn't want total job stability and security right now? What American wouldn't want to know that going to the hospital for COVID related or for any complications wouldn't just be covered regardless of their personal situation? All of the things that you have is stuff that I think every American, even the Americans that vote against this stuff consistently, that they would want in their own life. Because it's like, hey, forget socialism, but then I'll go stand in line at a food bank for hours. Well, what about the you want the food, don't you? And like they're happy to cash the check from the government. They want more checks. So it's like you, you, you think that you're just giving away money via taxes, which, of course, in Europe, the the low-income people aren't getting taxed hardly anything. It's the high-income earners that do this. So everybody is able to live a nice, comfortable, middle-class life. Even students live a nice, comfortable, middle-class life. Um, So it's just, you know, it's just a total lack of understanding, I think, in the American discourse of what it actually means and why it would be so attractive. Yeah, I I really don't get it. I really really don't get it when I watch like this 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 fear of so it's crazy. It's it's, it's just fear terror. I don't know. I just wonder. Yeah, I wonder if they're like. Yeah, I wish we could have a parallel universe where America tries. <laughs> where America just did it, like if America turned it. into Sweden. Yeah, it. right. I'm, hey, and then up. let's vote. Let's vote after let's six which, months. Which is better, right? And let's see where everybody stands. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would want. Jeff Bezos' um, but I mean, net in the worth meantime, only a hundred like, billion dollars. It'll yeah. be worth less. But in the meantime, I mean, slightly. I do. <laughs> I do pay like fifty-two percent of my salary in taxes. But that's because so you are pretty, you are a high earner now. I mean, at this point in your career, you would be considered relatively a yeah, high earner. Yeah, but I think it's pretty. But I think it's a pretty standard amount oh, okay. actually for Belgium. Oh, okay. Like there are definitely so a, also a brackets, fl- but oh, okay. most people spend most people spend around half of their salary on taxes. Right. Um, yeah. on income taxes, which I don't know what it is in the U.S. Does it vary by state? It, it, it Well, it varies by state, and it also varies by your income level. And, and you know, I think that the one thing that U.S. Yeah. has that Europe doesn't have as much is, you know, a number of ways for people to avoid paying the taxes that are due. I mean, look at these shell corporations and super PACs, right. all these political vehicles. There's tons of vehicles to disguise one's earnings and Right. You know, there's this whole cat and mouse game of how can we pay zero tax and get away right. with it 
you know, move to Ireland, right? <laughs> Which you know, um, but yeah, I think the, the the biggest shock because you know we I grew up in the United States and then I moved to Europe and the biggest shock was coming back to LA five six years ago, mm. whatever it was, is just how much you are nickel and dimed here in surprising ways. It's very hard to account for your life here in the way that you can in Europe. Like, let me explain this. So we all know yeah. that there are tons of little 1999 things that come your way. It's like, oh, just, just buy this for 1999 a month. This 99 a month. Ten, so you have all these little subscriptions in the United States. Like Disney Plus is only $6.99 a month, and then you're going to need your Hulu package. It's $5.99. So you look at the end of the month, and you're like, where did all the money go? And there's just hundreds of these little 10 that Like all, you know, the American marketing machine has just like roped you into all of these. And then there's tax on top of it. I just remember it being so easy to plan in Europe. So you're like, okay, my rent is 700 euro. You know, I'm going to spend, oh, 200 euros in a month on all of my food and drinks and going out, yeah. whatever it was going to be. And then you, you say, like, okay, I start with 1,000. That means I'm going to end each month with 950 euros. And then that's just the end of it. Here it's like, oh, two, 2,000 should be enough to cover that. And then you end up like $1,000 over. And you're like, <laughs> how did that happen? It's tax, all yeah. these little fees, all this little stuff. It's just, it's like swimming in a shark tank all the time. Yeah. You know what I got recently? So I um, I don't know why I got offered this, but it was like for Apple TV. They were like, yeah. oh, we'll give you one year free trial. Yeah. It's like, wow, like a year free Apple TV. That's a great deal. So I sign yeah. up, obviously. This is and a year ago, is, obviously. <laughs> Clearly this yeah, is a this year is a plus year ago. ago. Yeah. The thing is, I'm a planner. Huh? You don't do something like this to me and expect me to forget. I have two years of calendars here for Good. the next two years. Of course, I'll write that down. Yeah. So I had in my calendar, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Apple TV. And I was, uh, you know, exploring that. And of course, when I went to cancel it, um, I got a thing that was like, but wait, 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 six more months free. <laughs> okay. Mm. But I was checking that then on Apple TV because I never really did a proper exploration. I literally haven't used it in the last year. Right. And there's nothing on there that's free. Everything costs money. So you go on there. <laughs> right. What in the world would I pay a subscription for if I still have to spend $10.99 to rent a yeah. movie? What? Yeah. Who, who subscribes to this? Yep. So anyways, I just canceled it directly. It's, I have no time for that. No yeah. time for that. But that's, that's what I think they do as well that, is this free trial stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all just all about slipping in. And then you have to really be on top of your bank statements to actually see what's yes. going on. I mean, it's very yes. sneaky, but it's, it's, it's ever-present. Amazon and, Prime, I had the same thing, actually. Sorry. I had the oh, same yeah, thing. No, and I, it's, and it's when I tried to cancel it, oh, my God. It took me, like, one hour to find on the website where to cancel it. And I had to yeah. click, like, 17 times. Are you sure that yeah, you want to cancel you, it? Are you sure? Yes. Are you 100% sure? Click here. But, oh, but are you sure? Have yes. one more free month. Just stay. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. They're like, we'll, we will give you a free month until you forget. Until you, yeah, just please don't set a calendar reminder. For Indefinitely, this one. until you forget. Just, you will slip up eventually, and Amazon will be there. It's yeah, terrible, it's, but that it, kind of stuff is here too. That okay, kind of stuff is here too. You'd say it, it yeah. has to be creeping in, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Thanks to the internet, even if we don't have Amazon Belgium, but still, <laughs> we have it on. Wow. on How do you Belgium. live? Okay, Amazon. I, well, we order from other countries. Okay, <laughs> we order from Amazon from other countries. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty nuts. It's definitely like swimming in a shark tank at all times here. Um, yeah. But was that was that the biggest like reverse culture shock moment that you had when you got back? Well, or what I, else? I think that you know it, it's funny you can reverse engineer this stuff a lot, but I didn't own a car for seven years, eight years because I truly, truly didn't need one. If you've ever gone yeah. to the Netherlands, you don't need a car. It just it's not a thing. It's not like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have one, but it's almost more of a hassle than it's worth because you got to find somewhere to park it and you got to deal with it. But I lived across the street from a train station and that train station would take me anywhere in Europe that I needed to go. We we're, you know, very yeah. close. I could take it to the to the local airport if I needed to get on a flight. Um, I biked everywhere. The bike lanes are plentiful. They have their own traffic. They're isolated from the main roads. You know, they yeah. have lights, stoplights for bikes specifically, red, yellow, green. And you just really, and the bus system is fantastic. I took buses to gigs and I was doing DJ gigs and um, 
I would just take a bus. I would, you know, it never occurred to me yeah. not to take, unless I was, I think like one or two days a year, there would be some far remote little village or something where I had to do like a show and I needed to borrow a friend's car. Like two, three yeah. days a year maximum, there was somewhere that I couldn't get to with public transportation. So yeah. flash forward to coming into LAX. Mind you, I grew up in Colorado. So flying into LAX, the international terminal, we got a bunch of suitcase. We packed up everything. We put it in suitcases and we're just showing up with two cats and giant suitcases. We're just ready to go. Um, so I say, okay, where do I need to go? Well, I need to go roughly an hour northeast. So that's, I look at the bus map, like that's a 45 minute, you know, bus ride straight east and then another 45 minute bus ride straight north. So we get on this bus at LAX and it's an empty bus. No big deal, right? Um, you know, kind of greet no. the bus driver like, good morning, sir. Like, how are you? <laughs> we get on the bus and he's looking at us like, what are you doing? Which should have been my first clue. I should have just followed that impulse and maybe gotten off the bus. But we've got all this luggage just looked like the most awkward fish out of water. And we go straight east. And straight east from LAX, for those who don't know, is Compton. <laughs> you know, it's the heart of... It's just a little different than Europe. Let's just say that. Just a, a teeny tiny bit different than life in Europe. So we're sitting there, you know, straight east. I, I Somewhere near the heart of Compton. I mean, you could actually look up what it is. But... Anyways, we're just standing at this bus stop and I'm just looking around and it's like we're not in Kansas anymore kind of moment where you're like, okay, like life here is going to be vastly different than life in Europe. And, you know, it's especially L.A. is, I think, the most it, probably the biggest culture shock because here, you know, there's so many homeless people on the streets. There's graffiti everywhere. Yeah. There's gang, like hardcore gang graffiti everywhere, like there's just a general sense of, like, bad things. Things could happen at any moment. And if you look at the, uh, you know, the crime mapper, or if you look at those, which you should never do, yeah. by the way, it's just, like, every 50 feet is a pin that would be, like, national news in Europe. You know, like, assaults or, like, just, you know, so like somebody had running around with a gun right over there, helicopters all the time. So it's just this general feeling of, what is happening anxiety. here? Yeah, yeah. Anxiety is a big part of it, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's just and you know, of course, it takes you some time. I think to its credit, not not to let people think that I'm just disparaging it. There are many, many wonderful things, and of course, if you are able to stick around long enough to experience the other side, you will see all of these wonderful positives and amazing right. things that you wouldn't see if you just came here for a week and only saw Skid Row. Because, I mean, right. there's a reason that we're still here after five years, you know, and we didn't come, we didn't go running away. And it was because I wanted to give it a chance. And I'm really glad that we have. Um, yeah. Because there's so many other things about the way that society operates. And I, I've always thought that Europe is like the land of gray, both in terms of weather, but also weather. in terms of political and ambition you know it's it's very very easy to have a great life in Europe it's harder to have an exceptional life it's very easy to be yeah. in the middle of the road here yeah. i would say that it is easier to have an exceptional life but it's also easier to literally be homeless on skid row and the yeah. most fascinating thing about you know being in hollywood is that a few miles over that way is rodeo drive mm -hmm. bel air which is hundred plus million dollar homes. And if you go over there, you just breathe the air. It feels like it's a different atmosphere that was shipped in. Equidistant that yeah. way is Skid Row, which looks like worse than any third world country you've ever seen or, or developing country or whatever the, the correct term is for that. Um, just shockingly bad yeah. tent cities. And now there's tent cities everywhere thanks to the pandemic, all over. So culture shock is huge. It's crazy. Massive. Yeah, we have I think sunshine. that is it, right? It's that it's that spectrum. The spectrum yeah. is smaller here somehow, right? And it's yes. much wider over there. So you get the yes. from the 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 like l worst case scenario to the best case scenario is much is much broader. Yes. We live actually here where we live. We live across the street from the richest man in Belgium. Okay. <laughs> and he's also riding his bike <laughs> to work, right? <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, and it's like, you know, we don't live on a yeah. on the fan street. 
in the country. So yeah, don't know. But in terms of um, one thing you made me think of, yes, when you were saying uh, in terms of trains, you can get anywhere basically, even to like the most remote village. Mm -hmm. It made me think, um, do you remember when we went to the Schützenfest? Yes, in, in Germany. Germany. Yes. Near we, got, we got there by train. That's I true. don't even know in where Germany. it was. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Some random little was, town in Germany easily got there via like a, tiny town. Yeah. 1,500 people, maybe population like right? yeah yeah like you walk to the pub you walk to the field where you're having the shooting fest <laughs> mini mini yeah. mini town i We're mean there by train life life is like what disney world is i feel like europe is like disney world <laughs> even even yeah but like for real so i think the americans who go to anaheim they have this obsession with disney they're like oh this magical fairy tale world where everybody is safe and friendly and it's clean and polite why can't the There's rest no of guns. daily life be like that and it's like well that's that's exactly what i felt when i landed in europe the first time i was like oh this is real it's possible yeah. to have all of these things yes. hmm i did not know that fascinating mm. so yeah it's 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 yeah. quite uh, quite something um, because I was thinking as well, we have we have a lot of like petty crime actually. So we have a lot of like lot of house punks. robberies. Yeah, yeah, house robberies Wanna and like thugs. mugging, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot, a lot. Like I don't know anybody who has not been robbed in some way or another, whether yeah. it's pickpocketed or right. you know at knife point or whatever, or their house. Um, so that's quite common. But, but I think that's, not that's having also guns like the middle, illegal is a yeah. big thing. There's tons of punks, just like pieces of crap that you meet in Europe. Just tons of them. Yeah. But they're almost like they don't, generally speaking, go farther than a movie bully. You know, they're almost a, a caricature. No. And that Give me all your money. There's limits. <laughs> yeah, there's limits to how far they're willing to go. Whereas in L.A., it's yeah. like, oh, there, there ain't no limits. Like, you know, it's like, you better just <laughs> shut up. Like, unless you want to be decapitated and hung upside down <laughs> from an overpass, you better mind your own business. Right. But there, it's and like, it's, give, me a, give me a money, punk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. With a little tiny knife. Yeah. Exactly, so. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you my bank pass. It's, there's only 500 <laughs> you know. euros in there anyways. So what are you going to get from me? Happy spending. Oh man. Um, well. Yeah. So, but I mean, this still freaks me out. But it's it's a completely different level. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and and of course, yeah. Not that it's like a good thing. That would freak anybody out. And even a, a tiny yeah. knife being held, that's not good. Um, right. But yeah, right. That, that there's there's just a lot. And and the things that people miss, the things that you miss when you live as an American in Europe or vice versa, they're always different things than you think it will be. It's it's yeah. never the big stuff because oftentimes you know you, you you get a trade like you once you just synchronize with the wavelength of the people living around you then you start to see the world the way that they see it and there's a logic to it and you kind of like fit in and then it's just yeah. these little things that you start missing like why don't Europeans believe that peanut butter and chocolate go together it's a match made in heaven why do they believe <laughs> no, that that's not good and you're like hey what if we put peanut butter and chocolate together and they're like what or if you they just hate that. peanut butter, full stop. But they love yeah. peanut butter. <laughs> they love it. No, in the, the, no, in the Netherlands, they love okay, peanut butter. The, they the, love the their Dutch eat peanut butter all day. Pindakas, yeah. they eat it no. all day. Yeah. But it's I just little or like, you know, or, or bits of junk food. Um, a buddy of mine was a Canadian Air Force pilot, and he had access to a military base that was near Maastricht, oh. actually. And so I was on as his guest one time or whatever. And they had a... A grocery store that was a lot like a, a Ralph's or a King Supers or whatever, just a typical American grocery store. And I spent two hundred dollars right. that day, and it was all the craziest stuff. You know, it's like Reese's peanut pickles. butter puffs, pickles, <laughs> yeah, Reese's peanut butter cups, just all weird junk yeah. food. Yeah. And it's like, oh, apparently that is the stuff that I missed most of all, which I wasn't even like consciously missing it until I saw it on a shelf, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. But, you know, we recently had a very similar experience. So a friend, it was around Thanksgiving. A friend, we were, it's every year, right? Where do we get a turkey? Because turkeys are not easy to come by here. Well, and um, here they're free. 
Yeah, I mean, Free. here it's like you have to order it in advance. You know, we ordered it in advance at the butcher. We ordered a, a six kilo turkey. And then they were like, they called us a few days before being like, we only found a three kilo one. So it's like, so you just literally went out and found a turkey <laughs> and then you killed it. And now it's not the right weight, but it is what it is. Nice. Fine. Um, anyway, so on the back of this Thanksgiving planning, um, my friends were recommending this British store basically in Brussels, which I had never been aware of. And they were like, Oh, they also have a lot of American products. You can find like canned pumpkin and stuff like this. And I went there and Oh my God, I had a very similar experience. Um, Of course. Like the breakfast cereal aisle mental. I went mental. And the thing is, I don't even like the sugary cereal. (laughs) I'm very, I'm like a a grandmother now that I'm here. No, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, really a grandma when it comes to cereal taste. I enjoy like Weetabix, shredded wheat, grape nuts, like the Ooh, healthiest cereal in the world. But you can't nuts. find those here. No. I love grape. Like they're so loud. That's they actually true. kind of hurt to eat them. I love miss it. grape nuts. And, and they don't have sure. them. No. So like these kinds of cereals, it's not, it's, I'm just, what is it wasn't even like Fruity Pebbles I was going for. Like the really lame, very healthy yeah. cereals. But I was like, oh, the breakfast cereal aisle in America is like, a long aisle of nothing but breakfast cereal. And here it's like one (laughs) tiny shelf of the tiniest store ever. You have like six boxes to pick from basically. Yeah. And that's, that's, so that's my, that's my, and it was and like weird stuff like Frank, Frank's hot sauce. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. Hot sauce. Old Bay Spice. Do you know Old Bay Spice? Oh yeah, I do. I mean, I never get it, but I've had it from time to time. I love Old Bay. Like, oh my God, it's so good on fish, on popcorn. I put it on everything. You can't find that outside of America. So it's like, I realize it's, it's really weird stuff like yeah. this. Yeah. That I go to the grocery store and like come out with the strangest cart ever. Yes. And that's, that's the stuff I miss. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I miss my family. But if we're talking about items, it would be yep. random food products. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing, you know, I guess since we're doing the expat episode with the effects on the expat episode, um, the other thing is that, you know, the way that people think, uh, which is interesting, I think it was Mark Twain who had a quote that said something like, if people just lived somewhere else, all prejudice would disappear immediately, basically, if people just experienced living in another culture. Because I think that the thing yeah. that people who have never left, who don't even have a passport, who have never traveled with their passport, they don't know, is again, it's like, yes, things are different, but to assume that everything that is different is worse is a major, major assumption that is often false because some things will be worse. 100% everywhere you go, some things will be noticeably, demonstrably worse, guaranteed. But there's always a trade-off. There's always something good that is also different that you don't see that you may not understand right away. And, you know, one thing that that is really hard for Americans who go live in Europe is, the service is very, very different. Like you could be waiting for a waiter for a long yeah. time. There's no concept of the customer is always right. They're not going to be nice to you when they yeah, get there. Right. <laughs> There's none of these typical things that we take for granted in America or, you know, um, the grocery stores, they, they might close or you'll see people stocking the shelves during business hours. And you say, you know, if you put your American hat on, you say like, oh, how, how dare they be? stocking the shelves while I'm shopping. As a customer, I am first. But then if you ask the owner, it's like, well, that employee has a family and they wanted to get home for dinner. So if they stock the shelf now, they can go home at a reasonable hour and we don't have to have them here all night. And you're like, huh? Right. Hmm. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? So there's just a lot of things like that. Yeah, Yes, the cust- like if the customer is always right, well, we love that as Americans when we're customers. But what about when you're an employee in America? That means that the employee is always wrong, always wrong in the United States. And your whole livelihood depends on whether they decide to tip you or whatever, right? And in Europe, it's not the case that the employee is always wrong or the customer is always right. Sometimes there's room for both. Right. If anything, the customer is usually wrong. (laughs) The customer is more often wrong than the permanent contract employee. (laughs) Because it's like, well, we can't fire them, so they got to be right. Yeah. And it's just, (laughs) it's this whole thing. But, you know, I think as we sort of come to a close here, we are going to do some rapid fire questions before we go. But I think for those who are considering it, I mean, well, well, I just, sure, the blanket statement is that anybody who's considering it should try it. 
That's a wholehearted recommendation from both yes. of us. And even if you only go abroad, I don't yeah. think it matters where you go, whether it's Europe or Australia or or South America or Africa, it doesn't matter where you go. But I think anybody out there who's young enough and who's in a position to do a study abroad for six months, I think you must. You just must. You're going to have a different view of right. humanity that is so important right now. That's my belief. But go on. Yeah. No, I agree fully. I agree fully. No, the only thing I was going to say is that I, I don't think that it's just Americans also that face this that, that that have this actually like, mm. that there are people who haven't yet been abroad I think it's also a lot of other countries and I also do sometimes face some like hilarious American stereotypes from people over here okay. who have never been abroad or never visited the US uh, you know and things like where people are shocked that I know how to drive a manual car because right. I thought that in the US there were no manual cars mm -hmm. right they're like oh no but I thought you only had um, uh, automatic like no, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely more common, but things like this, or like think that we don't even know what European football is. We've never even yeah. heard of it. Or why am I not obese or things right. like this? So I think it's just to say that it's just to say that, you know, it's not, it's, it, it exists in other, like it's everyone in every country should go abroad and explore something. That's all. Yes. That's right. Everybody should not take just, advantage uh, not of just a passport. In, I don't know how many people abroad watch this, but yeah. well, some, but That's they should it. all do it. It's 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 vital, absolutely vital to and to to get to to graduate yeah. to that next level of understanding, where in the beginning it's like why don't they have free refills? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Blah blah blah. Negative negative negative. And then eventually you see the opposite. But if people could just stick around long enough to see the uh, the third level, where it kind of all makes sense and where you see the totality of yeah what is better, what is worse, what you're gaining and what you're losing. I mean, that's what I wish for anybody is that they could experience that last level of total understanding of how another culture operates, which is really interesting. And also, they'll probably yeah. be learning a language in the process just by doing that, which is pretty cool. Right. And All then right, by so learning a new language, you open your brain like so many different things. Okay, go on. All right, we're going to – I know you're on a time crunch, so I'm going to do a couple quick rapid-fire questions okay so this okay. one very relevant to today i've asked it before do you live to work or work to live oh i work to live okay i'm gonna let the cat out here go on <laughs> no i was gonna say i work to live i think i probably work a bit too much but i really really love our downtime and family time there's nothing more important to me so i would still say work to live okay and uh, along those lines what is your goal right now do you have a goal professionally or just to survive my goal right now is to finish uh, my executive mba that is ending Ooh. in june of this year okay uh and so i have six months left of hard work and then yep. i'm hoping that i i succeed in finishing that and my thesis and all of this so that's my immediate sounds good and do step. you do you currently feel successful I do. I, 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 I don't know if you mean not only like professionally, but like in life, I feel happy with my life. <laughs> I feel very happy and grateful for my life. So I feel, uh, yeah, I think, you know, success is also, uh, you know, having a, a happy family and, yeah. uh, um, you know, all of that, of course, financial security and everything. But I, I think there's no area of my life that I have uh, regrets about. That is very, very nice. And your life is about to change for the better shortly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We can talk about that, but <laughs> a very exciting time. Yeah, we can. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a baby. Yeah. So in March. And that's also why my next goal is finishing that MBA because we're going to have a three month overlap. And I'm yeah, a little that's stressed. Gonna be, <laughs> that's going to be fun. You know, I signed up, I wanted to do an improv class at UCB, which just recently shut down, which sucks. And I, I scheduled it. I thought like, oh, when the baby is born, I'll do it right after the baby is born because then I'll have more time. Mm. What an idiot. <laughs> Who does that? Like, I was like, I'll schedule it for the weekend after my baby is born because once they're born, I'll have plenty of time to do And it'll be hobbies. fine. Exactly. I showed up, yeah. looked like My husband also hungover. did the same, right? So he, he's just stupid. signed up for a triathlon that's like oh, two months wonderful. after the baby's born. Oh, I'm like, it'll, he'll be oh. fine. He'll be totally fine. <laughs> what could change? 
who needs sleep? Your life will be exactly to perform the same. athletically. Um, all right. Got any so, good book recommendations? So mostly I'm reading about like childbirth right now. <laughs> so I don't know if I can honestly recommend those. <laughs> All right, everyone. We're we're really we're niching but, down uh, well, on the podcast the now. We're zeroing Christmas. in. This podcast is for expecting okay, mothers for Christmas, who are young enough read. to travel abroad. <laughs> we are looking for expecting <laughs> mothers ages seventeen to nineteen. Right. Who are uh, okay? So yes, Albert. <clears throat> Very good. Still capable of getting that internship. Um, yes. No, uh, Radical Candor. That's a book that Ooh. I asked for for Christmas and that I got that I'm really excited to read. And I haven't read it yet, but I, okay. I've i heard it's really good. Okay, exciting. Yeah, I've heard that that's good too. It's all that all the Silicon oh, Valley actually, rage. Oh, I have a really, really good book. Wait, I have a really good book that's linked to the podcast, which is called My Year of Living Danishly. Ooh. And it's about a British woman who moves to Denmark to with her husband who works for Lego. Uh, and it's about her year of like learning everything Danish. So it's like that expat life yes, and everything. And it good. is hilarious. Cool. And really welcome. Everyone should read that. So, all right. No, that's that's perfect. Well, this expression we're going to have to change, but hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> we're going to have to delete that from our vocabulary. If you were to do things over... <laughs> Is there anywhere you would have zigged mm -hmm. where you zagged? Or do you feel that things went okay? I think things went okay. I have no, I would not have done anything differently. I think everything that maybe didn't go as I originally planned it was definitely for the best. Sounds good. Um, and the last piece. So. That's very good advice. The last piece here is... Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh. Don't sweat the small stuff. That's pretty good. I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I'm a worrywart. Uh, so that, like, it seems really obvious from many of you. I can make a sleepless night over something really dumb. Yeah. So that's that's the best thing that anybody ever told me. Just chill. A sleepless night over something really dumb is also the European motto, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that Brussels knows a lot about. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> it's like, we must have a committee to Maybe. talk about the committee that we're going to form about oh, what color the like pens it, yes. will be. In the break room of the building. Some of you say dark blue. Some of you say a slightly lighter shade of blue. But the point is, we'll have an answer in a year and a half. Um, anyways, I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, it's been a pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. Um, unless you have any parting words. It's been fun for me, too. The podcast is over. No parting and words. Okay. Then the podcast is Thank you officially. for having me. And I can't wait to, to watch it. Yeah. Woo, we did it. Yay. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet. Or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.